Welcome to the Self-Made Mind Podcast. We'll be bringing you real-life, honest conversations with some of the world's elite performers, from sporting athletes to millionaire CEOs and everyone in between. Success leaves clues. And it's now our mission to deliver these stories so you can start writing your own self-made script. Right, okay guys, welcome to another episode of the Self-Made Mind podcast. This is um, episode five. Um, we've got another great guest for you this week. Um, yeah, my name's Alex O'Keefe. And I'm Craig Billington. Yeah, nice nice one, Craigie boy. Um, do you want to just tell us about how your week's been, mate, first? How have you been getting on? <laughs> um, yeah, it's been a bit, obviously it's a bit different. Um this week with uh, the whole COVID lockdown restrictions yeah. and we're having to say, changed it up a little bit, but yeah. other than that, you know, I'm all right. You know, this is a decent chat that we're about to, about to listen to and um, oh, yeah. really good points in it. So yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. I've, uh, I've been excited about this one, mate, to be fair. Um, yeah. It's a, so we, we were lucky enough to, to get this week's, um, this week's guest is called Ross Katz. Is um, a, f- a film writer from from uh, from Hollywood, Hollywood film writer. Lives in New York. I think he was he was born in just a small town in Philadelphia. Um, just a working class, normal upbringing, and just followed his his passion for for film writing from from such a young age. Um, you know, he, talk, he talks about a, a time where he's, you know, he, he hears uh, Steven Spielberg's, you know, speak his name at, at the Oscars. Um, you know, he got two two nominations for Oscars for a couple of his films that he's made, won a Golden Globe. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> very, yeah. very interesting chat. I can't wait to, to share it with everyone here. So, yeah, what did you think about it, Bill? Yeah, he's a, you know, he's a really nice guy. Um yeah. I like you say, where, his background that he comes from and, and just where he goes to is is brilliant. So it's a really nice, really nice mm. story as well. Yeah, he's a very yeah. good storyteller as well. Yeah, well, <laughs> you'd expect good. him to be, wouldn't you? That's his yeah. uh, profession. So very good storyteller. So yeah, without further ado, let's um, get this underway. Uh, just a quick one before we go. You know, thanks to thanks to everyone that's been listening to the episodes and leaving us some great reviews on the uh, Apple podcasts, you know, long, long may that continue. We're glad, glad to see that people are actually, you know, taking lessons from, from these chats and um, just to share a quick little message with, with people, just the, the last episode we released with uh, Simone Roche, uh, I had someone get in touch with me, Bill, and she said that just listening to Simone speak, it actually inspired her to, to start her own new little venture herself. So it's, you know, it's, it's nice to hear that, that sort of feedback from people actually. Yeah. Um, brilliant. You know, it makes it all worth it, doesn't it, pal? Mm. So yeah, um, here we go then. It's Ross Katz's episode and um, enjoy. Okay, guys, welcome to another episode of the Self Made Mind podcast. We have a, a very special guest with us this evening, coming all the way over from uh, New York, the Big Apple. Um, his name is Ross Katz. A big welcome, Ross. Well, hello there. How's it going over there? It's, uh, it, you know, um, 
as far as living through a pandemic goes, um, you know, New York's a great place. I, I love New York. And, uh, um, I gotta say that, uh, New Yorkers definitely pull together at, um, at, you know, distressing times. So, um, so it, it actually feels good to be in New York. Yeah, that's brilliant. I think, um, I think we can we can speak as English people and say that I think we we've pulled together as well in the same way. So I think that's a global yeah. thing, hopefully. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Um, it's it's a pleasure pleasure having you on, Ross. I thank you for coming on first of all, and uh, we'd just like to share your your journey so far with with the listeners. Um, so if if we could take it back to Back to the beginning, Ross, where, where it all began, and just if you can speak about your, your childhood with us. Sure. Right, yeah. Well, um, I grew up in a, a, a town outside of Philadelphia, and Philadelphia is definitely, it's, I don't know, I think it's maybe, maybe the fifth kind of biggest market in the, in the country. It's a, it's a big city. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, you, you, New York is bigger, and you know, but but Philadelphia is a big city. Um, uh, but I lived in a, a pretty, um, uh, you know, I would say cloistered town, um, about a half an hour outside of the city, and um, a very conservative town, um, and my, uh, I would say, I didn't learn a whole bunch about the rest of the world around me mm-hmm. from within that town. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, when I, uh, I moved in, into Philadelphia, um, but I had always had this itch as a kid to, um, I, yeah, really, really young. The first time I like experienced certain movies um, because my, uh, I was, I had my, my, uh, family, my, my mom's been through two divorces and, um, you know, a good thing to do is drop the kids off at the movie theaters when there isn't a pandemic. <laughs> and, um, you know, for me, those were really, trans- they were transformational moments. And, but I thought, you know, we're a working class family. We're, we're not wealthy. Um, we don't have any kind of connection or knowledge or any, it's just any way into, um, you know, that world, that, that Hollywood thing, that, that idea of, you know, um, New York City, Los Angeles, you know, um, London is a, a huge filmmaking uh, capital, um, you know, but, you know, it was just was not really plausible for a kid like me to, um, you know, coming from a, a family without, you know, money and and power and connections to sort of get into that world mm-hmm. and then I just um I started to go to school at, at uh, Temple University uh in North Philadelphia 
And it opened my eyes definitely a bit because there was no diversity where I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, and Philadelphia, one of the great things about it is it's incredibly diverse uh, in terms of race and religion, belief system, socioeconomics. It's, it's just, you know, uh, my where I grew up, it was kind of everybody was, you know, working class, hardworking, um, you know, not quite living the dream, but, li- you know, living in a way that was acceptable. Yeah. And when I got to Philadelphia, I thought, oh, my God, this is, this is only a half an hour from me. What else is out there? And um, so I basically went um, after two years of film school, I, I couldn't afford to keep going, but I was going to, the idea was I was going to transfer to LA because I had decided, okay, you know what? I can't shake this movie thing. I mean, I, I know, I know it's not really like, I know I don't know anyone. I, I know I, I, you know, and I, and I, and I've heard all the stories that you have to know people and, your uncle has to be this or whatever. And I, you know, said to my parents, I'm going to drop out of school um, and drive 3,000 miles across the country to Los Angeles, and I'm going to make movies. And um, the silence and uh, shock it's hard to tell which it was. Was it was it just silence? Was it was it shock silence? Um, I, I just remember th- this sort of like, oh, uh, mm-hmm. okay. Well, we're we'll, we're we're gonna have to we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, and yeah, I have a very supportive parent, and I said, you know, uh, if I if I try and fail, like. At least I tried, you know, but I don't want to be, you know, 70 years old and look in the rearview mirror and say, I didn't try, you know, I, I didn't try. And um, off I went to L.A., not knowing anybody renting a room um, for less than $200 a month um, and, uh, and got my first job. Mm. So was, I'm just kind of relating to that um, where where you say you, you know you tell your parents that yeah you want to travel for three thousand miles and I think the natural sort of parenthood reaction is um, yeah they want the best for you but you know at the same time they, they can also hold you back and I think yeah. Uh, we, we've certainly, well, I've certainly experienced that when before I set my business up. You know, you hear you hear things like, "It's so risky," um, you know, "It'll cost you a lot of money," but you know, and and it's a tricky yeah. situation for a parent, I think. So, um, is that is that kind I of? Think, I think also my my parents are of, of a generation that, um, you know, working, having passion for what you do and how you do it for a living, mm. it just wasn't a factor. 
you just your 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 job in life was to provide for your family and a, a job did not mean that you're going to be excited about what you're doing or you're going to be entrepreneurial or you're going to be innovative a job meant that you would have a paycheck that would be enough just enough to cover the keep the electricity on and put yeah. food on the table yeah yeah you didn't chase your dreams yeah you know just getting a job, which which some well, I've heard someone say it stands for just over broke, which I think is quite, uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> quite accurate, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think you mentioned as well. Um, you mentioned the the going to you know going to the film school and 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 dropping out. Um, so how how did you actually? go on to learn about your industry then if, if you dropped out of out of film school? Well, I don't want to, uh, you know, it's funny because my brother is the total, total opposite. I always used to say like, you know, at least one of the kids turned out good uh, <laughs> because my, bro- my, my, my brother coming from the same family, um, my brother got scholarships to two of the best, universities in the world he did his undergraduate work at stanford university in california and then he got his law degree at yale university um and you know the percentage of people that get that that get admitted to yale is so tiny um and he that in between he was like, "Oh, I'm going to do a. I'm going to work this summer for the Department of Justice uh, for uh, President Clinton for Bill Clinton." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What am I and this idiot talking about Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark and how I'm going to like make a movie someday?" And my brother's like working for, you know, the President's Justice Department. Oh, I am. I'm a flop already. <laughs> you know, um, but the the most supportive person uh, was was my brother, and 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 the the way that I learned was, and and this is why I'm I'm very careful the way I lay this out. I'm not opposed at all to film schools. I think there are some great film schools, but what I do have a difficult time with is, um, I meet with students. Um, who have just graduated and I don't know about in the UK, but um, in the U S for example, the, you know, the biggest film schools, um, you know, probably NYU and and USC, um, you know, your four year degree costs about $300,000. Wow. Mm. <laughs> um, and uh, it, 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 they it come to me and say, could I have an informational interview about, you know, movie making? And they say, you know, I could give you a, a you know, I, without any notes, I could give you a dissertation on, on Kubrick or David Lean or Urasawa or some of the great filmmakers 
But to be honest with you, I want to know what the hell do I do now? Yeah. Like what, what? And I'm thinking to myself, you went through four years of school and $300,000 that you're going to be paying off for 30 years, you know, mm-hmm. and you don't have guidance on, on what, like how to get there, how to, how to find your path, you know? And what I felt very lucky about was, was my first job was as an intern on um, Quentin Tarantino's first film, Reservoir Dogs. Mm. Well, And at the time, you know, now it seems as, as this, just this huge classic, and, and it, is a, it is a classic. Um, it's an incredible movie. But while we were making the movie, the crew in Los Angeles, a good portion of the crew was a little bit salty uh, when it came to Quentin because they were like, who is this guy? He's like a big personality. He works at a video store. Like, he's not a direct. He's not a real director. Yeah. And of course, he went on to be one of the biggest that there is in, in the world. You know, um, and he literally was working at a video store until he made, you know, Reservoir Dogs. And, and I think part of that, what what happened during the, you know, 30 day shoot and the post production editing and the music and all that, where I stayed on as an intern, was I learned more in on one movie making no money, being completely broke, maxing out credit cards um, than I did in two years of film school. And it was, it was on, it was, you know, it was get rolling up your sleeves and not reading about, you know, theory and the academics of filmmaking, but physically you know, this is a scene where two people are going to have an argument over a dinner. How do you shoot that when there are cars passing by? And when, you know, how does that fit into the story? And, um, you know, even learning how to read a script, how to take, you know, prose and turn it into a language that is then interpreted into something visual. I, I really learned that a screenplay is an incredibly different kind of writing than uh, writing a novel, you know, or, or, or writing poetry, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I think it is each experience, I, I continue to learn different aspects of the business I went from there I was. I worked for, who um, sadly passed away about, I think it's about eight or nine years now. Um, uh, you know, one of the world's great filmmakers, Sidney Pollack, um, and he had done The Way We Were at Three Days of the Condor, and he was partners with Anthony Minghella, who, who um, uh, died uh, very prematurely and very young. Um, and again, when I would be doing these things like picking up lunch for him or, 
picking up his dry cleaning. Mm-hmm. But what I got in return for that was I got to say, you know, hey, I, I you know, I watched the few days of the Condor with, with Robert Redford and and Faye Dunaway, and it's one of my favorite movies. And I just like, how did you do this? Because it, I I can't in my head understand you know, physically how you got Robert Redford from the front door to, you know, cross the street to Faye Dunaway or whatever the question was. And it was like, oh my God, I'm get I'm getting my own master class. I'm happy to pick up your, your salad and your lunch, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um uh and, and, you know, not every filmmaker is approachable or, or wants to talk about it. Um, but I was lucky, and and then I, I continued on with um, this this remarkable uh, woman named Lin- Lindsay Duran, who is a producer and and, and extraordinary. I mean, extraordinary with storytelling, and working with Lindsay for three years as an assistant, and she was really an open book to me in terms of you know. Um, I was, I was able to, I, I wouldn't say she took me on as a student. I would say I, I kind of like pushed her into being a mentor. Yeah. Um, and she was incredible. We're still, we're still friends. It was a long time ago. And, um, and, and just, we worked together on sensibility, which was, um, Ang Lee's film with Emma Thompson and Kate Winslet uh, uh, and Hugh Grant and um, and um, that was a whole other kind of learning experience because I was at the time based in Los Angeles and so I was looking at the film as someone uh, you know I was learning how to see the film come in bits in bits and pieces. Uh, because I was not in the UK where they were shooting. Mm, right, yeah. Um, and, and it was every time I did a film or worked on a film, um, I had the, I, I learned something so new and so different. And it's funny, like I, I, I always say this, but making a movie is, is, the same every time and completely different every time. Hmm, yeah. You know, there's there's yeah. just certain things that are definitely going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then there are, but, but there's not been a single film that I've worked on that um, has not had something that was a brand new challenge, hmm. you know, um, uh, and, and so it was, it's really my learning of, you know, how movies are made and, and both physically how they're made, um, you know, from, from, you know, where lights go and, and how you bring the actors to the set, but, but also really learning the inception of, you know, how does it start? You have an idea. How do you turn that idea into something that can be a, a small short story or a treatment? And then how do you take a short story and turn that into, you know, a three-act uh, 
piece of writing yeah. and how do you take that three act piece of writing and turn it into something that people can see and hear and feel in a movie theater or on their television. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I learned all of that yeah. just by being thrown in the middle of it. Mm. Yeah. That's amazing. I think just, um, yeah, just listening to that. There's, I think there's some really good takeaways from, from that, that approach you took there, Ross. It's, it's kind of, you know, not just in filmmaking, I think in anything, if you can get around the people that are, you know, physically doing what you want to do, um, like you say, just, just, just shadow them, take everything in and, like I say, be like a sponge. And mm. I think that's definitely uh, the, the best way best way to learn. You know, it's... <laughs> well, and I, th- I think whether you are, you know, I, I don't, I'm very non-judgmental about what people are interested in. So, like, I have a good friend who, he's he's really interested in purely the business of making film and television he, he's actually not that interested he's really not interested in storytelling hmm. he loves to, to like he looks at it like a giant puzzle how do you you know how do you if if a movie is worth this amount of money in spain this amount of money in the uk this amount of money in the u.s how do you raise that money and pay those people back and go through banks and taxes and taxes and all that. I mean, you know, stuff that is just, that's not my DNA, you know. Um, but the key to it for me has been, you know, I didn't have a fancy degree. I didn't have a pedigree of, you know, um, you know, I was a, a you know alumnus of of a famous school with a connection to X, Y, or Z. But I had the one thing that I think is mandatory, at least for my business, and that is that, um, you know, you it it is a bad idea to go into, in my view, go into a business feeling wishy-washy or on the fence or, you know, yeah, yeah I'll try it. <laughs> you, you, there will be a, I know in, the, in my business, in the film business, there will be a thousand people in front of you mm. and behind you who are practically leaping out of their shoes yeah. just to get a chance yeah. to be near a movie set. Yeah. And my enthusiasm, I think, my passion for doing it was 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 really pure, and I think people picked up on that. I didn't show up and say, "I'm going to have a Rolls Royce and live in Beverly Hills." I showed up and said, "You know, I I saw Midnight Express in the theaters, and I, you know." I went to see this Martin Scorsese film and I, you know, I didn't even know that they made movies like that. And it was, I was, you know, it was for 18 or older, but I kind of like, like lied about my age so I could get in. And 
like people pick up on that energy yeah. and they want to, they, they want to support that energy. Yeah. But when you, when you have someone who, who comes into, um, and I'm not talking about like just a job that a lot of us need just a job to sustain ourselves. I'm talking about like a passion for a career. Um, When you come in, as people have with me before, you can feel it when they are kind of like, yeah, this is interesting. I'll see how this goes. Yeah. You know, you you don't want to, you're not excited about them. They probably would do a perfectly adequate job, but do you want adequate or do you want someone to, do you want someone who, you know, who brings passion to whatever it is they do. And I mean, whatever it is they do. I mean, my, my, you know, my brother is a lawyer who has worked on um, uh, everything, worked for the government, worked uh, in private law firms. Um, He is passionate about the law and about interpreting the law, you know, and, and people pick up on that. Um, and I think that is kind of how I got my jobs without having uh, a fancy degree or money to back me up or connections was almost like not leaving the room until they said, okay, you could work for us for free, you know? Yeah. Kind of a bit of a, um, self-belief type arrogance. If it, it sounds like to me, like it, like, in confident in your own ability to go and be a just you know yeah um i'm here for a reason well that's a that's a that's a really interesting you know um that's really interesting chris because because for me it's all um i have i i had a coffee once with a very very famous actress um and you know she is so elegant and magnificent and and brilliant um and we were taught we, we we stopped talking about the script that we were meeting about we were just talking about life and and she turned to me at one point and she said you know i mean we're all kind of frauds at the end of the day right mm-hmm. um and i was like yeah you're not i am but you're not you know and the thing is that I wasn't, I was incredibly insecure, but I, you know, there was a, a, a battle going on in my head, which was I could either go in that room as the, you know, kind of wilting lily that, that I, that, that I am, you know, <clears throat> or I could let the, the other part of me win for just one interview. The other part of me that says you, your blood boils, like you get excited. Your 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 knuckles are white from squeezing the movie theater, you know, uh, chair when you're when you're watching for the first time Raiders of the Lost Ark or. 2001 a space odyssey or something like if i can let that part of me win yeah 
the minute I'm in the parking lot, I'd be the first person to say, I shouldn't have said this. This was not articulate. Mm. I sounded stupid. This, all the self-doubt and all of the um, um, insecurity would just come flooding to me. I'm never going to get this job. I'm never going to get to work, you know, you know, but I was, I was able to say to myself, you have to push pause on those negative voices for just a little bit of time. Yeah. Yeah. And not have cocky bravado where you are, you know, I've had kind of, you know, um, worked with plenty of people who kind of, who, who want you to know how smart they are and, yeah. and how, you know, their, their filmic sensibility and they, and, you know, and it's such a turnoff because you can, you can absolutely tell when it's just posturing. Yeah. But when some, but when it's raw, and it's coming from a place of really genuine, you know, I mean, I used to beg my mom, please, my mom, I remember, so I'm 49, right? So, mom, please let me go, please take me to see Back to the Future. Well, <laughs> my, 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 my mom was like, we can't afford it. You saw it three times already in the theater. I was like, just one more time, just one more time, you know, and like, you can't buy that from someone. You can't, um, you can't take a class on that. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's there or it isn't, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's tapping into what your passion is and, and what your, you, you know, being entrepreneurial. I want to be an owner. I want to. I want to have a company. I want whatever it is. It's yeah. it's tapping. It's, it's it's like diving all the way in. But when you just put like a little foot in the water, most people pick up on that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you've talked about a couple of things uh, that are really important. There's one. There's one that's the kind of the 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 inner dialogue that we all battle with the you know the yeah the good chimp and the bad chimp um and like i said just before you were going into an interview there you just you know tell it to stop and just let let the real authentic um you know passion come through um and i think that's that's really powerful just to pass on to people and yeah that's that's brilliant ross yeah um well and i also i also realized too that you know, one thing that that I, I I used to think about was while I was sitting nervously, you know, waiting to be interviewed as a you know an entry level assistant, and there were twenty five candidates. Was thinking, you know, the per, the the big boss that I'm about to interview with, at some point in their life they were sitting in the chair that I'm sitting in now with their hands shaking and their resume look reading and rereading their resume. And like, they know what that feels like. Mm. And so that helped me humanize 
um, you know, as opposed to, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to pull back the curtain and meet Oz. I, I would, I, I would try to, you know, um, I would try to just remember that there was a point in their life where they weren't this big person who was hiring people and had a studio or whatever, yeah. you know. They were just like the scarecrow at one point. That's right. <laughs> Are you right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, amazing, Ross. Yeah. Um, so if could just just wanted to kind of just recall a couple of your your, your biggest achievements up, up to date, Ross. And if you could just tell us about, um, you know, obviously the you've won a Golden Globe um, from producing the film Lost in Translation, which is a, a amazing achievement. Could you just tell us about that? that Thank kind you. Of yeah, yeah I, I'll tell you. Uh, I, I think um, I think it's. It wasn't funny at the time. It's very funny to me now. But um, the second film that I produced, I was, I was, uh, I think I was 29. Um, and it's called In the Bedroom um, with uh, someone who maybe doesn't live right. He lives a lot closer to you than he does to me. Um, but Tom Wilkinson um, and one of, one of my favorite actors on the planet, and um, and um, you know we made that movie for under two million dollars. <throat> and if you had told me when I was fifteen years old, or or, or a little younger, or a little older, I knew I knew I wanted to make movies that I would be at the Oscars and the BAFTAs um, with um, a movie, I, I would, I think I would be in, incredulous. It, it was not possible. Like to me, that was like saying, you're going to, you're going to fly a spaceship to Mars one day. And I have been lucky enough to have been you know, nominated for two Academy Awards um, for Lost in Translation and for In the Bedroom and um, several Emmy Awards for a number of films that I've done for uh, HBO. Um, and, uh, you know, I was at the Oscars and I was that little kid again. I mean, Paul McCartney was standing next to me. Um, I was in an elevator with Sidney Poitier Anthony Hopkins, you know, and I was, and there, and, and it was, it was so many mixed emotions, you know, in, in that part of it was, there was pride part of, but, but there was a big part of it that was like, I don't get, no, people like me, people from nowhere mm. who, who don't, who, who don't have money and don't have connections and, and network, but we don't get this. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't part. It's not in the cards for us. Mm-hmm. You know, hold, holding down a decent enough job to be able to pay the monthly bills. That's that's what the dream can be. And there I was, 
still borrowing money from here and there, uh, borrowing money to get a tuxedo. I didn't have a tuxedo for the Oscars. Um, and hearing Steven Spielberg read my name when they when they read the uh, nom- you know the nominees are, um, it, it it just taught me. I think probably the most much better that I'm not at all jaded or cynical about it. It was wonderful, but, um, but much better than having nominations and winning the golden globe and those kinds of things was learning that despite a lot of hardship as a child, despite uh, coming from a, a, a family that was, under constant financial stress in debt, you know, um, also really dysfunctional in terms of divorces and and all those things and not, not having, you know, any, anybody that I could, you know, kind of say like, well, this person can open a door for me that it just taught me that like when someone says, well, people like you don't get to do this. My answer to that is no, you are your own barrier. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're the barrier. Yeah. You've decided, you know, yeah. Would it be easier if you had an uncle in the business who could hire you, you know, or, or get you in to meet with so-and-so? Of course. but. I want, you know, some kid in, in the Bronx or, you know, uh, uh, you know, as always, my, my all-time, my, my sort of all-time hero, I think, artistically is, is David Bowie. And mm-hmm. I was very lucky to get to meet him. Nice. And, you know, Brixton at the time, you know, he, he had talked about, you know, kids like kids like us, we didn't, we didn't, you know, get, we didn't get to make it, you know, we didn't get to become rock stars, you know, um, you know, we were, we were lucky if we could pay the bills. So, um, and I just, uh, that's my, my constant message is like, uh, I guess when I'm, whenever I'm talking to someone who is considering filmmaking or working in this kind of business or really any business that you don't have a direct connection to is that, you know, that should not be the barrier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh yeah. So just, just some of the, like the names you just mentioned there. It's like, <laughs> you know, wow. Um, so you, you said that you, one of your kind of thoughts were that you almost someone like you d- didn't do stuff like what you'd have you've achieved. So is that is that kind of like the imposter syndrome sort of thing? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like like you know, I I remember. I mean, I'd be, you know, when I first became an assistant, um, I told everyone that I had a degree, when I I didn't. Um, I didn't, I had a high school degree, uh, but I didn't finish college or university. Um, 
And I'd be sitting across from assistants doing the same job as me who had a degree from, you know, a school that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I felt like an imposter. I felt like yeah. I don't belong here. Mm-hmm. I don't get to sit at this table. There's, there are tables for people like me, and this is not one of them. You know, it's like upstairs, downstairs syndrome, you know, Um, you know, and then there was a certain point where I thought, you know, what, whatever I'm doing, whatever job I get that does pay the bills and, you know, this and that, you know, takes, but I have no passion for it, but it pays the bills, you know, I'm always going to spend my entire life saying I never tried. Mm -hmm. I never tried, you know, and there were so many, there have been so many times where I came very close to giving up. Mm -hmm. I mean, very, very close. Just saying, I don't, I don't have a, a nest egg. I don't have a savings account. I don't have a backup plan. I got to get out of it. Yeah. I mean, this is never going to work out for me. And, um, and, but, but the, that, that little, you know, light that, or a fire just wouldn't go out. I just needed to tell stories. Yeah. And it was that, total determination um, and enthusiasm. And, and I'm talking about, I mean, going through like months and months of deep depression. Where, how am I going to get in? How, where am I going to get in? Who's going to, you know, um, uh, overcoming that to get that job that would get me the next job, just getting, and, and, and not thinking too far ahead, just going, if I can just get one more movie that will keep me afloat for six months, then I can worry about the next six months, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, and I think that that is something I really learned, which, which was, you know, your place in the world in terms of socioeconomics, not being born wealthy, not being born connected, should never stop people from reaching for the absolute top. Yeah, brilliant. There's just one thing you mentioned there, Ross, as well about, you know, even if you did know someone that that could open a door for you, um, you've got to keep that door open, haven't you? And, And I think... That's what yep. you need the passion there to be able to keep that door open and, and go all the way like like you have done yourself. Um like you know like it comes back to that point where where you say someone might not be genuinely passionate about something, but they might know someone which can open a door. But to go all of the way, essentially, you, you need you need more than that, don't you? You you do and and you can you can feel it. I mean, you really can feel it when you are when you're work. I mean, I would be, you know, the first time I saw my name in the credits of a movie was when I went to a movie theater, bought a ticket, 
I saw Reservoir Dogs, and I, I just, I couldn't believe it. I mm-hmm. couldn't believe it's a little tiny thing at the very end, you know, while the the roll the credit rolls, you know, that nobody's paying attention to. But it was it was I went from I'm going to drop out of school, I don't have any money, I don't have any connections, mm-hmm. to I'm on this screen. I just I I used to go, you know, buy tickets for movies and, and fantasize that, that maybe maybe I I could do that someday, yeah. and and then I and then I'd be brought back down to earth. Like you know, you know, people like me, we don't get that. We 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 you know, we're working. We're working class people, and we work for a living. We don't get to, we don't, we don't get the luxury of mixing passion with work. Mm-hmm. We just get the work to get by. And I think there was just a stubbornness in me that refused to accept that, you know, my socioeconomic level um, was going to determine my future. I, you know, as sad as I would get, as depressed as I would get, um, at every stumble, every period of time I was out of work, there was just something, you know, something very deep inside me that said, you know, I want to express myself and I want to share stories in a communal way with other people in the world. And I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. It wasn't easy. Um, so talking, you, you talked a little bit about setbacks and, and things like that. Is, is there ever been a job you've gone for where you've gone, I've got, I, this is me, this is for me, this one. And you've just been knocked back or, and, or anything like that. Um, you mean a job that, that you that I thought I would I thought I would I would like and I yeah, didn't like end up kinda, liking it. You've kind of been like um I'm perfect for this. Like this is like you know I, I don't really understand how, how the whole movie kind of works. Uh, like, you know what I mean if you thought oh that movie's you know I'd I'd love to produce that movie or whatever and but you've just been set back and it's like oh well, you've been like oh no it's not we're not gonna Yeah there are definitely the you know another thing that I talked to um you know, students who are, are finishing university about is, you know, um, figuring out what it is, is that is your passion, is your thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, is, uh, is a big part of the process. And it's, it's, it's difficult to, to, like, if you said to me, you know, uh, like if, if if someone who works on a movie says they're an electrician, to me, that person is an artist because that actor or actress, you know, looks the way that they look because of the combined efforts of the electrician, the cinematographer, the actor, the, the costume designer. And so, yeah, there have been things that I thought, oh, I thought, 
oh, I'd be really good in the art department. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just turns out that, like, I don't have the patience for certain things. I don't, you know, uh, certain things. Um, I've sold myself into, like, yeah, I love this. I love this. I love this role on a movie um, doing this job. Um, and then I would finish the movie and say, you know, quit lying to yourself. You hated every second of it, <laughs> you know? Um, and so, yeah, I think it's a, it's a process of experimentation and, and sort of like feeling when, when it clicks, you really, you really get that it clicks. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. Uh, you, you must have had a, you know, a few, sort of rejections along along your journey Ross um a few, a few. I mean <laughs> you had yeah you, you, everybody it, it's very annoying but so I I hate that I'm it, it's like someone turning into their parents you know yeah. that I I hate that I I say this because it used to annoy me but people used to say you gotta get it you gotta get a thicker skin <laughs> but the the truth is, um, in my in my business, and, I, and it's not unique to um, the film business, but the film business is is ninety nine percent rejection. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's you you have written something, <clears throat> or you have. Uh, you're, you have something that you're going to produce and you bring the script in, mm. it is so much more likely that an asteroid is going to land on your head <laughs> th- than somebody's going to say, yeah, we'll give you the money and you go make this movie. <laughs> and the rejection is brutal. Mm. Um You know, some people are, you know, have real empathy when they're rejecting you, Mm. but, but some people in my business, their job is to just reject people Mm -hmm. to read scripts and, and, and turn them down, Yeah, you know, and, and, and to interview, you know, 500 people for, for three positions, you know, you, everyone else is going to get rejected Mm -hmm. and um it's very you know as as many times as people have told me you can't take it personally it it has taken me so long to like oh if i only said this or if i only i screwed that interview up i i you know if i only did this or if I could do it you know but um it's constant rejection mm-hmm. but yeah. the thing is that the, the the upside is you don't need five yeses you need one yes mm-hmm. so when when we did make in the bedroom that was a movie that people did not a lot of people you know, they said, boy, this is beautiful writing, but, you know, it's um, it's really depressing and long. <laughs> you know, we, we had one yes. Yeah. Everybody said no. Mm-hmm. Everybody said no. I mean, you know, we, we thought we're never going to get this made. 
We got one yes, and that's what got the movie made. And so we had to go go through an astounding amount of rejection. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, how did, and then the you, one yes came. Sorry, yeah. Rob, yeah. You say you've gone, you you go you go through so much rejection there. I mean, what advice would you kind of give to people? Um, you know, that some someone goes for a, a job interview, or you know, the one, and and they get rejected. I mean, what advice would you give to someone to you know to basically pick yourself up and go again? Um, it's I would say. Uh, a few things. Um, first of all, you know, so there's so much that's subjective, mm-hmm. and you know, the the fact of the matter is, you know, the the however many people rejected in the bedroom because they thought it was boring or they thought it was depressing or whatever was to still be able to go home at night to to grieve that, you know, the rejection happened, but then to have the resilience to say, I still believe in me, or I still believe in this project. Mm -hmm. it's it's, It's the getting up the next day and not saying, yeah, they're right, yeah, they're right. You know, they're right. It'll never get made. Why am I putting my? Why? Why should I go through this? Why should I? Yeah. Why should I go through? I don't want to go through this because I don't think I, I. I would say this one thing that is absolutely true is I have never had a single success without taking an enormous risk. Mm-hmm a risk of, you know, losing another job or, um, um, you know, Matt, you know, whatever, whatever, like, like it was for me going out to LA, which is completely the other side of the United States, Mm. a place that I didn't know. Mm. Um, uh, you know, if I had, if I, if I wasn't able to get up in the morning and go, all right, I'm, you know, before I got that first job, it was months and months of delivering resumes to people's offices yeah. and having the um, receptionist, like, look at me like not even a human being. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I'll take your, your resume. You know, or we're not, or we're not hiring. Mm. If I, if I had, if I had let that dominate my, you know, my love of of storytelling, Mm. I would never be doing, you know, the things that I've been lucky enough to to do. Mm. And I think it's resilient that it's, it's, that it's, it's okay to be, not only disappointed to be sad or become depressed or but to really remember why it is you're there in the first place yeah why did you do this yeah 
And and for me, it is about it's not about taking the safe route. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to be uh, a guy who lives in a castle. Um, you know, and in order to pay for that castle, I I do work that is completely meaningless to me that I'm totally dispassionate about, mm-hmm. but I get to live in the castle. Mm-hmm. I would rather live in a cottage yeah. and say, look, wow, I got to, I got to tell this story, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, brilliant. How about that, Bill? No, no, I mean, it's just, you know, a, a lot of things there you, you've touched on that have just, you know, they kind of hit home personally with me, you know, in business side of things and just in life side of things. So it's nice, you know, and, and yeah. yeah. It's very relatable. I mean, I, 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 well, well, I, I think there's, there's always going to people, there's, there's always going to be people that say, listen, if you just, you know, if you go to go to law school, you'll you'll get a job as a lawyer. Mm-hmm. But you know, like I, I have a friend who um, who is a very 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 good writer, but um, he doesn't believe in himself creatively, mm-hmm. and he's you know in his late forties. Um, he's very wealthy. Um, is a house that is almost just ridiculously beautiful and a beautiful family. And he told me, I, you know, I live for nights, weekends, and vacations. I don't enjoy my work, mm. but it's too, it's too late. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's not too late. Get up two hours earlier on Saturday morning before your kids get up and write. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and that's that's sort of the, the constant lesson that keeps coming back to me. Is that there's so many there's so many ways that we can sell ourselves on what we're not capable of. Yeah. It's so, it's so when, easy and quick when, just to put yourself down in it, and, and yeah, yeah, it's easy. Just uh, no, nah, I'm not doing that. Just because it's easy, yeah. And and, and people are afraid of taking the hard route when it's when it could be the best decision you've ever made. Mm. Absolutely. And that's where the self belief side really comes in as well, because like you say, your friend there, you know, you said you said he's a very talented writer. And and obviously something with inside him, he, he doesn't believe in himself enough to put put it out to the universe, and that's that's probably why he's uh, you know do, doesn't feel really fulfilled. You know, he's got he's got the nice house, but not the fulfillment in his in his work. And that's what I think. Like for for some people, I think you know having um, a lot of money and you know, whether it's like you do very well or whether it's ridiculous and you have a boat or, mm-hmm. you know, things, with it, you know, um, there, 
I see, I see that, you know, I see it and I feel it that, that sitting in that gigantic living room in that $10,000 chair, you could, part of you says, wow, I, well, I, I did this. And there's a big part of you that's saying, man, you know, I just, you know, I just, I didn't, I didn't try the, you know, I didn't go for the dream. I went for, um, you know, material security. And as a result of it, I have that. I've got cars and houses and vacations and all that. But I'm not, I'm not doing anything that is personal, that is fulfilling on a personal level Mm. that, that makes me feel as you know as excited as a child yeah yeah that's what it comes down to yeah, yeah. um ross yeah. it's um, we're gonna have to uh you know start wrapping it up there just just to keep it a yeah good, a good time for the show but uh, i'm sure we, we could we could uh talk all night to be fair yeah um that's yeah it's well, been it's absolutely great, amazing great to talk to you guys and i, I love i just love the, the title of your of your yeah. podcast and yeah, and, well, and that I think it, it I think you're the yeah you're you're the kind of mm. ideal self-made mind per you know yeah you're just the ideal sort of person to to come on for us and that that's been a been a brilliant chat and hopefully you know people listening can can take a lot from from your story um, so j- just a couple of questions just to finish off for us and and, and then we'll sure. wrap it up um just so just just give us a fact about about yourself that that most people won't know if you can a fact that most people won't know is that i uh i started um uh i i one of the things that i wanted to do was be on the radio mm-hmm. and um uh the only place I could get a job, this is before I went to LA, was on a Christian rock station. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm not religious, but I am a Jew. Right. And there was this Jewish kid, um, you know, playing Christian anthems and reading passages from the Bible on the radio. Um, and uh, my bosses of course you know my last name kind of gives it away but my bosses were like yeah just kind of don't talk about your your personal you know stuff which is just code for like (laughs) yeah yeah you you need when you're here you're you are um you know you're a christian rock person (laughs) and people just think it's just, it's ridiculous and hilarious that that I would be on a Christian rock station. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw a question out there. Um, we normally ask a different one, but I, I, what are your top three films of all time? Oh, that's terribly difficult question. <laughs> well, I can tell you my 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 um my definitely my number one of all time is uh, from 1959 um, by Francois Truffaut, 
called the 400 Bulls. Um, I know in the U.S. it's uh, it's on Netflix, um, and it, I, I, I and I know I'm having worked in the UK. Um, some of the content is different, and some is not. Um, but it's <laughs> it's a beautiful, beautiful movie. Um, there is uh, another one would be um, by a Japanese director named Oshima, who uh, was a master, and called Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, uh, with two uh, performances by two British uh, actors that I would come to, um, you know, find to be um, just kind of worship. One is Tom Conti, and the other uh, is Dave Bowie. Mm-hmm. Um, and although Bowie is known for being Bowie, um, and not really his film work so much, mm-hmm. it is, um, you know, it, it's uh, a film about um, uh, a, a large um, British regiment uh, in 1942 that is um, captured by the Japanese and uh, taken to Java, and uh, it's how they survive it. And um, uh, so that would that would definitely be in the in the tops for me. And then it, then it gets really tough. Then I get into like the like, is it Raiders of the Lost Ark or How about Lost in Translation? Uh, <laughs> well, I can't name my own movies. That's against <laughs> the rules. <laughs> that's good. That's good. But uh, I'm I'm very proud of that movie. But um, yeah. but uh, I, I, other people can name it. Yeah. You guys can name it. When you get asked this question, you better name it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Of course we will. Yeah. In the bedroom, <laughs> in translation, and then there you go, there you go. <laughs> and and by the by the way, something I something I will add for you is having made films in a number of different countries, mm. making a film in the UK is such a joy, mm. and it's all about the the people. Uh, um, nice. There, there, there is there, there's no Hollywood cynicism. Mm. You know, um, it's really people are there because they love what they do. Yeah. And I loved our crew. I loved I loved shooting in the UK. Hmm. Well, you'll have to come up, up to the north of the UK next time and, and yeah. uh, we'll uh, hopefully give you an all different idea of what English people are like as well. Even, yeah. Even, even better up north. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of, yeah, of course they are. <laughs> yeah. How far are you from? from are you, where, where, how far are you from Manchester? Yeah, literally forty minutes. Yeah, I think, yeah, forty-five minutes. Oh my goodness! I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, you know, you know, like I, I was, you know, I feel like I have to make a Morrissey pilgrimage and a James pilgrimage and a, you know, I know Morrissey's become more and more controversial as the years go on. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, uh, you know, I, I, he, he does say some things that I just go, just stop talking, you know, <laughs> but, um, but, 
I, I mean, I connected with, I, I, I you know, I, I think, I think really um, just the working class roots and, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the music I found such a connection to, yeah. to Manchester as oh, a, yeah. as a, as a, a team, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, um, yeah, they've, they've been responsible for so many, uh, very famous music stars and mm. yeah. Amazing. So yeah, Ross, that's, that's, um, All right. that's it for us. But like I say, it's been amazing speaking yeah. with you, Ross. Yeah. Thanks for your time. And uh, we, it's a we real wish- joy talk, talking to you guys and best of luck. This is a, it's a, it's a mm. great show, show you've got. And, um, um, I think um, it'll be, you know, I, I really am excited for people to hear what you've got to, to share with them. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Ross. And we wish you all the best uh, with with your, your current projects and, and your future ones as well. And yeah, thank, thank you. you. All, all right, take good care. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Ross. Take thank care. You. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another inspiring self-made story. And we hope you enjoyed the show. We would be very grateful if you could kindly leave us a review, as it will help us impact a wider audience. You can do this on iTunes, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you want to reach out on the socials, find us across all platforms using at the Self Made Minds Podcast. See you next time and happy success making.